Well, let's jump in. I would ask you to just have your Bibles handy, whether that's um, one of these. By the way, you young people, this is, this is how we used to read God's Word, and so a lot of you still have these, which this is really um, the best way to get God's Word is through this here. But many of you use an app, and that's fine too. So have that ready, because I actually um, normally put the slides in from home before I come here, but the computer, um, for some reason, was I was not able to connect to it, so I had to do it all this morning, and I was rush, 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 and I'm not sure how smoothly it will go. So if a slide is missing, a, a passage of Scripture or whatever, I might have you open up your, your Bibles and take a look at that. Um, so we are in Colossians, starting into chapter 3 this morning. Very excited about that. So if you want to just have that um, open and ready... Uh, But we're going to have most of these on the screen, and hopefully that will all go well. All right, we're going to start with, um, I just want to read through all that we're going to read this morning, and then we'll go back and uh, take a look at it um, piece by piece. Get this going here. Yeah, I'm already, I think I'm already off one, but maybe that's right. Okay, all right, one through four, let's start there. This is not everything. We're going to actually read all the way through, um, a, looks like uh, verse 11 this morning. Yeah, we're going to go all the way through verse 11. Let's start with verses one through four. If then you have been raised with Christ, this is Paul again uh, writing to the believers in Colossae, If then you have been raised with Christ, your uh, version may say, since you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. Great stuff, Uh, this first line right here, if then you have been raised with Christ. Another uh, reference to uh, water baptism, and we saw that earlier, if you recall, uh, in chapter 2 at verse 12. I'll just read it for you again. Paul said, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And then we've got here, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Now the Greek word translated here as seek is actually in the uh, what's called the present active Tense. Some people refer to the present continuous tense. I've mentioned this before with other verbs. And basically, it, uh, in Greek, it um, portrays a continuing action. So we're not talking about something that's happened in the past or something that's going to happen in the future, but it's something that should be happening now or is happening now and continuing to happen. So I think that's, uh, that's good to note uh, often in Scripture when it's in that tense 
Um, sometimes the English doesn't bring it out quite as well, but you might um, read this as, in some translations, I know that uh, the NASB has it as um, seek or uh, seek and keep on seeking or keep seeking. So you could say, keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. This also, this Greek verb is the same one that is used by Jesus in Matthew in chapter 6 and verse 33 when he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So you could say, but seek and keep on seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And here he's referring to the earthly things. Um, He's referring to things such as uh, food to eat, clothes to wear. He also says not to worry about um, what difficulties tomorrow might bring. And also not to be worried about life itself or even death. Let's just take a look at uh, those words. This is Jesus talking and he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They, are neither, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, or you could say the unbelievers, seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first, there's that word, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I think that's a great um, reinforcement of what Paul is saying here, and Paul actually is reinforcing what Jesus had already said about being anxious and about, uh, above everything else, seeking his kingdom, seeking his righteousness. And uh, Paul is saying that here as well when he says, seek the things that are above. And remember that uh, not only is Jesus at God's right hand, as the scripture says, as Paul says, but he is also interceding for us and is able to save us completely and at all times when we draw near to God through Christ. And that's uh, in Hebrews, the the writer says this in chapter 7, verse 25, when he's talking about Jesus as our great priest who um, is going into the presence of God on our behalf. And it says, consequently, he 
talking about Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost, which is, which is to mean completely and at all times, those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Now, I find that very encouraging that Jesus is at the right hand of God, but not only that, but he is, as this says, saving us to the uttermost, saving us completely and at all times, and he is praying for us. A while back when I shared that uh, scripture about the, uh, the garden owner and the gardener who was tending to the uh, tree and the gardener, the owner wanted to, the master wanted to get rid of this tree because it's not producing any fruit. And, and the garden, uh, the one who tends to the garden said, no, just if you just give it one more year, I'll give it special care and attention. And I see Jesus, I mean, that's a portrayal of the Father and Jesus. And Jesus is, is up there pleading and interceding on our behalf and able to save us, as this says, to the uttermost. Let's move on in Colossians and looking at verse 2 here. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Now, one thing I have learned uh, about doing this is it's not some um, mystical act that can only be attained with, um, you know, days of fasting or solitude. It's actually something that can be done quite easily. And it's a matter of tapping into the right source and shutting off the wrong source. And so I I just want to use a simple illustration of uh, a kitchen faucet. So if you have a kitchen faucet, and to make this a little more clear, the ones that have the separate taps. By the way, this just came to my mind. I was talking about England the other day. And one thing I just couldn't get used to is they still have so many sinks with not only separate hot water and cold water levers or, or taps, but, but actual taps, like hot water tap, cold water tap. So I was so not used to that, and so I'm in the bathroom, and I want warm water. So, so you know, I have to turn both on, and then I've got to do this to try to do it. It was very interesting. But if you, knew, if you understood that the, histori- the, the, the historicalness of England is, is mind-blowing, how old things are there. It just We have no concept of, of history until you go to a country like that and you see, uh, you know, we walked into um, little churches that were built in the 1400s um, and some even earlier. I mean, it, we, some ruins we went to were from the, like the 1100s. It was just unbelievable. Anyway, that's a side note. Um, so it, it can be like this this hot water tap, if you think about it. Let's just say it comes through one spigot here, but we got two levers, okay? We got a hot and a cold. Yeah, it's biblical. <laughs> the hot water tap, it is. A hot water tap uh, would, yeah, would be things like, um, the hot water tap would be things, now remember, because she says it's biblical, it's because Jesus wants you to be either hot or cold. He doesn't want you to be, um, he wants you to be hot. He doesn't want you to be cold. But if you're lukewarm, he's just going to spew you out of his mouth is what he says. But so if we take that a little bit further, the, the hot water in talking about setting your, your things, um, on, setting your mind on the things above, hot water tap can be things like um, God's word. 
reading God's word, hearing God's word, uh, preaching and teaching of God's word, praying to God, meditating on God, praising God, worshiping God, listening to godly music and other such sources that help us in that setting of our minds and our heart and our minds on the things above. There are many things, and most of you have already discovered what those things are for you in your life. Um, whatever they may be, a certain, um, certain Christian artist, uh, certain Christian music that really inspires you, lifts you up, certain teachers that uh, just encourage you. Uh, definitely getting into God's Word, it just has this ability to, to get your mind back into the right perspective. Um, the, so there's many things that can be at your way of turning that hot water tap on and helping you to set your mind on the things above. Cold water tap. Now, the cold water tap, we've got lots of things uh, to come out of the cold water tap. Things such as social media posts, scrolling for hours in social media, endless Pinterest pages, or TikTok videos, secular TV, secular movies, schedules packed full of earthly busyness. And we're good at that in America. And any other activities that are void of kingdom purpose that cause you to focus primarily on earthly things. Now, this is the cold water tap, and, and too much of it will not only cause it, that water to be cold, but it's going to cause any hot water you may have had to turn cold or lukewarm as well. Now, remember the, um, <clears throat> the water temperature, the hot water or the cold water can be quickly changed. And by opening up the hot water tap, shutting off the cold, you are able to change the temperature of that water very quickly as that hot water flows. But if you wait a while to open the hot water tap again, what happens is that water that's inside of the pipes cools down, and when you turn it on that next time, if you had given it some uh, distance, you turn it on again, and you're going to get cold for a while until that hot water tap starts to flow. So one thing that's interesting about that illustration is you know, opening the hot water tap frequently allows you to get access to that hot water much more quickly. Now, that's a, a simple illustration, and please know that the things I mentioned are not to put any rules on you, but there is a reality to this, and I think all of you have experienced it just like I have experienced it and do experience it every day, that it's easy to get your mind set on earthly things. And it takes intentionality to set your mind on heavenly things or the things above, at, as Paul is saying here. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And this is, I'm very thankful. One thing I always have to remember, and I try to encourage people to remember as well, is God is not waiting after you've been away and splashing in the cold water for a long time, he's not waiting for you to come back so that he can hold a grudge against you. And I think we, we do think of it like that sometimes. You're, you're not really, you're kind of dragging your feet to go back to him because you just feel like he's going to be 
mad at you and going to kind of show you the cold shoulder for a little while. And God, our Father, could be, he is so farther, he is no far, what am I trying to say? He is so far from that truth. Very, very far from that truth. Now, unfortunately, sometimes we have earthly fathers or earthly uh, parents that may handle things that way and may act towards uh, their child that way. But God is not waiting for you to come back so he can finally give you that cold shoulder. No, he actually longs for you to set your mind and your heart on the things above, on him, on his kingdom, on his righteousness. And it doesn't matter how long it's been. He's, he's, welcome, he's waiting to welcome that. He, he loves that. He takes pleasure in it. And he will actually help with that hot water flow if you go to him. So the worst thing to do is to, is to stay away. He is the source of all of those things that will feed our and nurture our spirits. So he is a, he's a God who loves to spend uh, time with us and loves to help us in, in doing this right here that Paul's talking about. Well, let's move on to the, to the next one here. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, excuse me, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, I think Paul is reminding us here that we have died to the things of the world. And because of that, we are now, having been raised to life with him, we are, our life is hidden in him. We are in him. And if we're in him, we are in God. And so when we are raised to new life with Christ, that new life is in him. And that's why we must abide in him to continue receiving the life that he gives. And when Christ returns, and this is um, talking about that, when Christ who is your life appears, when Christ returns, then those who are found in him will also appear with him in glory. In 1 John, John writes, this is in chapter 3, he says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And he goes on to say, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. And I think that's what we see here as well um, that, that we're going to get to with Paul. And that is that we're going to be raised when he appears. We're going to appear with him. But because of that, there's, a, there's an expectation and an uh, exhortation by Paul. And we're going to go on here now to verse 5 to, to read about some of that. So we'll read verse 5 through 11. Paul says here, Put to death, therefore, 
what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and, put, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Those are some powerful words. Let's take a let's take a look at them. Um, so, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you: sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. Now, continuing from his statement uh, concerning having died with Christ, Paul now instructs us to put to death the earthly things that may still be lurking within us. In other words, they should have been left in the grave. But if they are still alive in us, then we are to take action to put them to death. Now, Paul's first list is focus primarily on the area of sex, such as sexual immorality, impure passions, and evil desires. And covetousness would include things such as coveting someone else's wife or husband. But it would also include coveting anything that doesn't belong to you. And this is, uh, he is equating this to idolatry, which is no minor offense. But there's a, there's a theme there of um, f- dealing with the sexual immorality that is so prevalent in the world. Now, I, um, I wanted to mention that the Greek word we translate as sexual immorality, or in the King James Version, it uses the word fornication that many of you will have heard of. That's the Greek word porneia which comes from the root word porne. And this is the same root word from which we get the word pornography. So pornography is especially created to be an illicit form of sexual stimuli to promote in the viewer both lust and covetousness towards another person, a person that would, would be off limits to that, to that person. It is both immoral and idolatrous. And Paul says, put it to death. I think sometimes it's it's good, especially now since, you know, pornography is so prevalent. And it is so difficult for us, especially if if you're not just living in the world, but 
raising children in the world to protect them from this. And many of you know my testimony. My testimony has to do with coming out of a stronghold of lust and pornography. And I am, I am very quick to share that, especially with men, because men need to hear not only the danger and the, the trap and stronghold it can become, but men need to hear that there are actual men in this world and culture today who have found freedom from it. Now, this is not a freedom that we then can just relax and, and not worry about it anymore. No, every man will have to stay on guard and vigilant, but especially any man who has break, broken free from this and is now um, wanting to walk in freedom from this. But this is a, this is a huge epidemic, not only in our world today, but in the church and it's not only, it's not just with men, it's with women as well. And listen, Satan is crafty. He knows exactly what he's doing with this. And he has inspired pornographers to create every, every different kind and taste and sampling of every evil, wicked thing that the depraved mind can think of. Satan has inspired pornographers to come up with and not only come up with, but um, to film and video and make available to anyone that they can get it in front of. And it's a, it's a very, very effective strategy that Satan has used, especially the Internet. When, once the Internet came into the picture, it, it escalated. And we now have young boys and not just boys, it's girls too, but especially young boys who, if they don't have parents who are helping walk them through the, the challenges of this, when they hit puberty and the, the testosterone is just raging in them as God designed it to be, how to then navigate that and to guard and protect their eyes from this. And so many, many parents are not helping to protect them. And so they're easily stumbling into this through the phones that they have in their pocket. I mean, it it blows my mind to think what young children have access to now through the internet, through through something that's in their pocket. I mean, back in the day, you had to really go out of your way and risk the, the embarrassment and humiliation of being seen or caught trying to, you know, get to resources as a magazine at a store or a video at a, uh, at a, a VHS video or something like that. But now it can be done in the privacy of anywhere that, that you can be with the, with the phone. And so every, you all, we all know this. And this, this is something that the church cannot close its eyes to. And pretend like it's just not happening. Because it is happening. And I'm the first one to have a testimony to tell you. Years I was a a Christian and struggled with this. It it almost wrecked our marriage. And I have, um, Pam and I both have spoken to couples about this, to men, women, 
to help from the different perspectives that, are, that they're coming from, but to try to bring hope, first of all, but then freedom. Because this is a, this is a stronghold that men just sometimes don't realize how strong it is. And they don't, dis- they don't really realize it until years into it, and, and they really they start to see the effects of it. Look, science has shown that this is mind-altering what, what pornography does. It, it changes the mind in the way, way you think, and it's, uh, it causes a depraved mind. Now, it can almost be to the point of feeling just hopeless about it because you really, you, you can hardly get away from it. It's so easily accessible, and it's being pushed at you all the time. And young people are having this pushed at them, and they're not even not wanting to see it, and they may stumble across it. Satan is crafty, and if he can get this in front of them and, and start tempting them with it, or even just seeing things that numb them to, to what would be proper and, and right, but numb them by seeing this twisted and perverted stuff. It's, it's just it's so damaging. So I am, not of the, I am not of the kind that says, let's be silent about this in church. I mean, that's crazy. If, if this is destroying life after life, family after family of not just people in the world, but people right in the church who are Christians, who are believers, yet they have found themselves entangled in this very destructive and strong stronghold. They're in chains. They need hope. They need us, the church, to be able to stand up here and tell them there's a better way. This is not the path you have to continue down. This is not the change you have to continue having shackled around you. Freedom is available. And we've got to get that message out. We, we have to get the message out. I'm sorry that I'm spending so much time on this, but I, I just feel like some of this needs to be said for all of us to be more aware. But first, we've got to call this out for what it is. This is porne. Porne, the Greek word porne, and pornea. This is every illicit kind of sex that Bi- the Bible that God has forbidden. And it, and it all has been um, focused on this, this new epidemic of pornography that's being pushed out through the Internet. And it, it's just, it is so destructive. And for any Christian man to think that you're, you're going to be able to get by unaffected by it. Listen, hear me, please hear me. It is a lie. This is going, this is going to destroy your life and your family's life. But it need not do that. Christ has paid a huge price. God has given a huge price 
for us to have access to, to be set free from the bondage of pornography or any sexual sins. But there's no way out other than through him. And the first thing that's needed is recognizing it and then repenting. God is not wanting you to try to get free and clean yourself up before you come to him. No, 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 not at all. Matter of fact, we don't stand a chance at that. He wants us to come to him first so that he can clean us up and begin helping us to be free from this, to try and do this without the empowering of the Holy Spirit and without the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ is, is just, it's doomed from the beginning. So the first thing we have to do is go to him and allow him to cleanse us from this and allow him to give us the strength and power that is needed to be able to walk, as, as John said, to be able to, to purify ourselves as Jesus is pure. Listen to how Paul talks about this in Romans. This is, in, this is from chapter 6. He writes, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive in God, alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments, of un, as instruments for unrighteousness, 
but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Now this is good news that those who have died with Christ have also been raised to new life with him. We now have access to that life in him, which means we no longer have to be under the dominion of sin. We no longer have to be enslaved to it. Christ has set us free, and we are to live as free. But we've got to get that not only into our minds, but into our instruments, as he says, into our members as well. It's not just a mental thing. The battle is in the mind, but it must be worked out through your members as well. To think that I'm free, I'm free, I'm free, and you continue on into, in the bondage of sin is, as John puts it, you're lying. You're being fooled. You're saying that you're, you're children of light, but you continue on and continue to practice in these sins? No, we have to be children of light and children of truth. We have to be real with ourselves. We can't continue to, to try to fool ourselves that it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Listen, even John clearly says that when we sin, we go to him and we confess these sins to him. And he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is going to be a need for cleansing from him. But we have to remember that we have died. And Paul's talking about putting off the things that, that we've died to. Leave them in the grave. And he also says these things as a reminder to, for us to know that Listen, there's not an expectation that this is going to be done, like, you know, done. Like it's one, one, in one day it's done, boom, overnight it's gone. Everything is gone. Everything is dealt with. No, Paul understands that there's going to be a process of having, of being made more and more like Christ. There's going to be a process of the putting off of these things, of your old life, of the ways of the world, taking it off and throwing it into the grave and leaving it there. And then Paul says, the putting on of things. And we're going to get into that more next week, but the putting on of the things that we should be putting on. Paul understands that this isn't going to happen as soon as you get up from the altar now. Everything is gone. Everything is made perfect for you. I wish, but I can tell you from my own testimony, that is not how it goes usually. But, but Paul understands this, and God understands this. And this is why it is so significant that God has sent us the promised gift. Jesus Christ has received it from God and has poured it out upon us. This promised gift is why the new covenant is different from the old covenant. The old covenant was by rules and regulations. It was a righteousness that was demanded from people. And it was impossible to reach that righteousness through the following of the rules and regulations and the laws. This new covenant is different. 
This new covenant is a righteousness that God is saying, I am, I am offering you righteousness through my son Jesus Christ. Not only to cleanse you, not only to make you completely acceptable and, and reconciled with my Father, but I am offering now the promised gift of the Holy Spirit to give you the power that you will need to be able to walk the way Jesus walked. Now that is the gospel, the truth. And we, we, we cannot fool ourselves. We must be real with ourselves and with the reality of what the gospel really means, the good news. This is a new covenant that is different from the old. This is not a covenant like the old where you just have to keep getting cleansed, keep killing these animals, keep doing this again and again and again. No, this is different. This is different because the cleansing is better and more thorough. This is different because now we have access to the actual Spirit of God to live in us and through us, empowering us to live a life like Jesus lived. This covenant is different. It's a better covenant, and it will prepare God's people to enter into the kingdom that he always intended to have, into the family that he has always intended to have. He is going, he is, he is going to make that happen, and this is his marvelous plan for making it happen. And that's why Scripture talks about when we see Him, we will finally realize we are like Him. We are like Him because He is making us pure. He is making us right. He is justifying us. He is sanctifying us. He is doing it from start to finish. If we stay in Him, He will do this. It is His promise in Him. We will have this life. And he will have his family. God will have his family. He will have his bride for his son. What a marvelous, marvelous gospel. What a marvelous gospel. What? This is good news. This is what the world needs to hear. The world doesn't need to hear that, no, it's okay, God's going to just wink at your sin and it's all right. No, the world needs to hear that there's something different about this. That this is a gospel that's like no other, no other covenant, no other teaching no other good news. This is one that, this is different. This is, this is one that changes a person from the inside out. This is a, this is a gospel. This is, a, this is something that creates new people, new creations. And it is real. And we are all on this path, this path of of righteousness, of being made righteous. And that's why we need each other to encourage one another. Not just 
correct one another when we get out of step. We need encouragement from one another. This is hard enough. This is hard enough to deal with our own self-condemnation. Okay, we don't need each other to be adding to that. What we need from each other is we need kindness, mercy, love. And Paul will get into this next week. We'll get into to this. And, and this, is, this is why it's so important that Jesus stressed so much that we love one another and that we be in unity in all of this. Understanding that we're not all going to be perfect, but God is making us righteous. God is helping us to get there. And we're all on this journey together. And we need each other to help us stay on this path all the way to the end. Well, that's good news. I'm going to end it there. Amen. Father, thank you so much for a reminder of your truth. Thank you so much for the incredible gift of your son, Jesus Christ, who has made all of this possible. Thank you for a better covenant. Thank you that you have allowed us to go into covenant with you. God, you are so good. You are so kind. You are so patient. You are so patient. Listen, as, as your heads are bowed, and y'all can bring down the lights, as your heads are bowed, I, I want to say this. God is described as a God of mercy and long-suffering what that means is he is patient. He, he has a heart that understands the weaknesses of our flesh. He created us. He knows. And not only that, but Jesus Christ himself came to live in the flesh to experience every temptation that we have experienced, to experience every hurt, every pain, every wound. He came so that he might live in our flesh so that he could understand fully. Now, what kind of God does that? A God of love. He is a God of love. And he loves us so much that he was willing to give up his only son. But we've got got to remember that he did this not so he could just overlook our sin. No, then that means his death was in vain. He could have done that without his son dying. No, what he did was he allowed his son to die so that perfect cleansing could come to us. Righteousness could be offered to us and the Holy Spirit of God could then come and dwell in us 
to make us into the children of God that he requires us to be. God is a holy God, but he is a good God. He is a long-suffering God. Church, he has been so patient with me. You've got to understand that I am up here as a representative of him, a mouthpiece to speak his truth. But I used to be in the muck and the mire. I used to be in the filth of the world. I used to be all of these things that Paul describes of having, needing to have put off and put to death. That was me. And look what he's done. God is a patient God. He is a God of mercy. Let's not take that for granted. Let's run to him. Run to him and allow him to cleanse you from your filth. Allow him to cleanse you from all unrighteousness and to make you clean. And then ask for his power to live through you so that you may walk as his son walked. Father, thank you for that truth. We love you. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to a broadcast from LifePoint Church in Greenville, South Carolina. If this ministry has touched your life in some way, we would love to hear from you. Just visit our website at www.lifepointsc.org for more information. Or, if you prefer to reach us by letter, you can write to us at P.O. Box 27036, Greenville, South Carolina, 29616, USA. Until next time... May God bless you as you continue to follow Him. of my heart.